All right, all right, all right, man. I hope y'all are doing good today. Man, it's so good to have this opportunity to be able to stand before you and attempt to deliver a sermon today. Man, please keep us in your prayers, and we're thankful that you have this entire time. Man, the last two weeks, let me sum it up with one word. Wow. Wow. Man, Jesse Polly, that dude is smart, all right? If y'all didn't know that, man, just walk into it. Any of y'all, have y'all been inside his office? Baby got book, all right, and a whole bunch of them. Man, and he told me he hadn't read them all, but he's at least read the first page of all of them. You know what I'm saying? So, goodness. And then last week, Chase Potter, man, great job. Man, the way that he cross-examined our hearts with the word of God, his closing argument, man, that we have a mission, a mandate, and a purpose. Goodness, you think that dude was a lawyer or something like that. Goodness gracious, dude brought it. But man, this morning marks the last week of this series that we're calling Now What? My apologies, y'all are stuck with me today, all right? But we're going to get through it, sweating, spitting, and all of that, all right? We're going to make it through it. And uh, man, it also marks the last day, like Jesse said, of Pastor Matt's sabbatical. That's probably why you heard me singing in the hallway a while ago. Soon and very soon, Matt is coming back to preach. Hallelujah. You know, somebody said, man, why are you so excited? Man, I'm excited that he's coming back, all right? Excited. And I know that you are too. But like we explained four weeks ago, man, let me just kind of set the stage. We felt like we had done a great job or a great, not a great job, a great deal of work trying to get from the book of Genesis and taking a journey all the way to the resurrection. But instead of stopping there, man, we wanted to look at the accounts that take place directly after the resurrection. And why would we want to do that? Man, we felt like we could look at those and understand and be taught about Jesus's ongoing ministry. I mean, we felt that there were a lot of lessons that not only could we learn, but we could apply them to our lives, man, uh, from the text. And so, man, we have been setting out to try to answer the question that is up on the screen, now what? And we can relate to that because we all have some now what moments. And to get a better understanding of what Christ has done for us, man, we've tried to explain that in Christ, we now have his presence. And in Christ, we have confidence. And in Christ, we have a mission. And today, we want to let you know that in Christ, man, we have hope. In Christ, we have hope. Man, I want y'all to hear that. I know we come from different places. I know we live in different neighborhoods. I know we are not the same. But one thing that we know is we've been up and we've been down. And no matter where you are today, whether you're at the top, man, praise God. But if you're in that valley, I want to let you know that we have hope. Don't leave here without understanding that right there. We have hope. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. We're going to finish out the passage. That's where we've been camping out the last couple of weeks. So if you have your Bible, man, open it up, tap, scroll, or just get there. And we are going to look at the last four verses. We are going to see how Luke ends this gospel. Man, these last four verses, they're found verse 50 through verse 53. Man, as you tap, turn, or scroll your way there, man, I want to ask that you would also pray with us that God would do three things, simple to say, but hard for us to walk out. And that's why we're asking for his help. Let's pray that God would speak to us today. 
Let's pray that we will hear from his Holy Spirit. And let's pray that that truth will set us free. Let's pray those three things. Dear Heavenly Father, God, before we jump into your scripture, we pray these three things. And God, like I just said, man, they're easy to rattle off. Man, they're real short sentences, but man, they're powerful. What we're asking you is, is so powerful that it's not anything that we can do. God, it's all about what you can do. And that's why we're asking you, God, speak to us today. God, don't let us just come to church because it's Sunday. Don't let us just check off the box because that's what we do in the South. God, let us come and let us ask you to speak to us today. And secondly, God, we ask that, man, we would hear that message. God, I know that I've had a lot of instructions spoken to me, parents, teachers, coaches, and sometimes I heard it and sometimes I let it go right through my head in one ear and out the other. God, we pray that that doesn't take place today. God, we pray that we would hear from your spirit. And thirdly, that that truth would set us free. God, that that truth would change us. God, change the way that we act. God, change the way that we walk. God, change the way that we live so we can light up this world, this dark world that we live in. God, we ask all this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Man, let's dive right into the text. We said Luke chapter 24, verses 50 through 53. I'm going to read them all. There's only four. Follow along. Verse 50, it says, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them, and he was carried up into heaven. Verse 52, And they worshiped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. All right, man, that's where we're going to camp out today. We're going to try to break down the truth that's found at the end of this gospel. And, man, if you got one of those fancy Bibles, one of those ones that has, like, the headings, like you read a couple verses and then you get a heading, and then you read a couple verses and then you get a heading, if that's where you are today, then right above these four verses, you probably see the same heading that I see. It's just two words, but it says, The Ascension. Man, I'm excited for us to unpack this passage because we don't really think or talk about the ascension of Christ enough, but we really should. Man, when you think about it, we celebrate on Christmas the incarnation. Man, we recognize on Good Friday the crucifixion, and we rejoice on Easter in the resurrection, but we don't really give much attention to the ascension. Man, it's crazy to think about this, but Man, I think it's okay. Like, I don't think I'm stepping on a limb to say, out on a limb to say this. I think it's safe to say that Jesus ascending into heaven is the least considered aspect of the work of Christ. But it shouldn't be like that. See, the ascension is not just some afterthought that's tacked on to the end of the story by Luke. But instead, it's a cornerstone teaching of the scripture. So this is how Luke ends his gospel. In fact, man, if you jump into the next book that Luke penned, that's the book of Acts, and this is how he starts off that book of Acts with an even greater detailed description of what took place in what we call the ascension. Man, we can't stop at the resurrection, church family. See, if we stop there, the story is incomplete. We have to include the ascension. Church family, we understand and we're encouraged by when we read Scripture 
We don't stop, but we keep on going. We get the entire picture, and the entire picture shows us that our focus is not to just stop at a beaten and bloody Christ. The story's not over. We got to keep on going, right? Men, our focus is not even to stop at a resurrected Christ. The story is not over right there. We got to keep on going. And as we keep on going, our focus is on the fact that we have a kingly Christ, a reigning Christ, the one who is now sitting at the right hand of his father, Christ, the one who says, get to work because I'm coming back for you one day, Christ. And that right there is something for us to get excited about, all right? So y'all wake up. Y'all wake up and get excited, all right? So, man, in these closing verses, Luke reminds us that we have a hope, and he does so by explaining where Jesus is. See, he left. He ascended. But he doesn't leave us hanging. He tells us where he is. That's what gives us hope. And he also tells us what he's doing. Man, he doesn't just say, hey, he left. Sorry. You know, try to figure this out. But he actually tells us why he did this, and that gives us hope. And so when we leave here today, man, I hope we leave here. I hope I'm able to make something clear. Man, I hope that his spirit is able to communicate truth in your life. I hope that it's life-changing. But, man, one of my prayers is that may we leave here and have the necessary corrective that we've all been looking for, but we've been looking for in the wrong places. And what am I talking about? What needs to be corrected? Man, I'm talking about, man, I hope and pray that we're able to find the remedy of our lack of hope. Because we can stand up here and we can say, man, in Christ we have hope. And then under your breath, you're like, but Pastor Justin, you don't understand what happened to me last week. Man, last week was heavy. You don't understand what I went through last week. But guess what? We have hope. Man, we want everybody to understand that there's a remedy to our lack of hope. There's a remedy to our low level of enthusiasm. It's okay to get excited at church, all right? It's okay to pay attention and like be like, man, I'm about that. Like, I'm on the same page. It's okay. Man, it's okay to find the remedy to our defeat, to our ongoing sense of failure, to our sense of discouragement. And I pray that maybe today, man, we're reminded of the fact that, man, even when our life hits rock bottom, we still have that hope. Why? Because Jesus is our king. Man, he's our ascended king. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm no wordsmith. And Jesse will tell you, man, when I'm praying, I got a limited vocabulary, all right? Right? We talk about it, right? He let, Well, he does most of the talking. I just listen, all right? But, man, with three words, I want to attempt to connect the dots that are found in these four verses in Luke chapter 24. And so if you want to write them down, I'm going to give them all to you right now. The first word is transition. The second word is ascension. And the third word is reaction. These are the three words that, man, hopefully will connect these dots that Luke is trying to express in these last four verses of his gospel. So the first one, let's break it down, the transition. The transition that I'm talking about has actually been laid out all throughout this chapter. In fact, he continues the story. He continues to lay it out, even like I said earlier, in the first chapter of the book of Acts. And Luke is not the only one that's laying out this transition. Man, peppered all through the gospel are different accounts of exactly what is going on during this transitional time. 
man, we understand that in Luke 24 and, and, and a little more clarification in Acts 1, man, Luke explains that over the span of 40 days, there were 40 days that Jesus kept popping up and appearing to people. What's up? Hey, hadn't seen you in a while. I'm back, all right? And so, like, he kept popping up. He kept making these appearances before his followers, and he kept teaching them concerning the kingdom of God. In other words, man, Jesus didn't just simply walk out of the grave and get beamed up to heaven, all right? Man, he said Star Wars earlier, but this isn't no Star Trek, you know, story either, all right? Man, he could have, maybe, we could make the argument that, like, why didn't he just come up out of the grave and be like, Ooh, and then again, you know, go straight to heaven. But I, I, I feel like, man, if you're trying to make that argument, you might say that the work of redemption has been completed. What less, I mean, what else is there for him to do? Man, he's already made full atonement. He's already been raised in triumph over the dead. Therefore, just go straight up to the Father. But here's the thing. Man, this time of transition was needed. Man, this time of transition was there because work hadn't been finished. It hadn't been completed. This transition is an indication of what a wonderfully gracious friend and Savior that we have in Jesus Christ. And what am I talking about? Man, I'm talking about the fact that Jesus takes this time to continue to pop up, continue to appear to his followers on different occasions. And when he goes there, he answers their now what questions. In that span of 40 days, he helps banish the fears with his presence. Men, in that span of 40 days, he gives them the confidence because he teaches them every single thing they needed to know. If you missed it, man, let me say it one more time because I'm about to leave. Men, he gives them a mission and he tells them, get to work. And then just like we saw last Sunday, men, in verse 45, he opened up their minds so they could understand the scriptures and he set the stage and let them know, prepared them about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then, only then, after all that had taken place, then he ascended. But see, he had that transitional time because work still had to get done. And, man, it made me think about this. I think it's the mark of grace and it's the mark of his kindness that he stuck around, you know, that, that period of time. Man, it shows what a friend and what a savior he truly is because during this time of transition, man, he provided all type of encouragement to those followers that so desperately needed to be encouraged, right? Guys, they gave their life to follow this guy. This guy was crucified on the cross. They didn't understand what was going on, but now he has appeared and he is making it clear to them. Man, I think about how glad Thomas, doubting Thomas, right? How glad he must have been that Jesus had not left and went directly to heaven after his resurrection. When you think about that, man, he was so glad because if he would not have stuck around, then Thomas would not have been able to address those doubts that are recorded in the text. Think about that. Thomas would not have been able to meet Christ face to face and be reunited and take his doubting hands and place those in the nail-scarred hands of his Lord and Savior. He would not have the opportunity to have his questions answered. He would not have had the opportunity to have his fears kicked to the curb. But Christ met with him. Man, I think about Peter. In all of his discouragement, in all of his disgrace, 
man, he was equally he was equally glad. He was equally grateful for this time of transition because he was able to meet with Christ. Y'all know Peter's story, right? He, man, what a royal mess that he made of it on that night because he denied Christ not once, not twice, but three times strong. And on the third time, man, he locked eyes with Christ. And the scripture tells us that it left him going out into the night, weeping bitterly and out of control. Man, my man was wrecked. So much so that he got back with the followers of Christ and he said, I don't know if I'm in this anymore. In fact, hey, I, I think I'm going back to my old job. I'm going back to fishing. Man, I knew how to do that. I don't know what's going on. And so, man, I'm left here thinking, wow, how glad he must have been for this time of transition that Jesus comes, meets him on the shore, and makes him breakfast, and gives him the opportunity to reinstate himself with a threefold affirmation of his love for Jesus Christ. And then to hear Jesus say, Peter, man, now it's time. Go do what I've asked you to do. Man, you're back in the game. Man, you said put me in, coach. I'm putting you in. Man, I'm grateful for that transition. I know Peter was. Man, what about Mary, the mother of Jesus? The fact that she was able to see Jesus again. Think about how that encouraged her. Think about her last moments with him. How she was at the foot of the cross. How she saw her son, her firstborn, being nailed to the cross, beaten and bruised, pierced in the side, nails holding him to the cross in his hands and feet. She was weeping. Man, aren't you on the same page and thinking that she was so glad that she must have been able to see him one last time? She was so glad that that experience wasn't the closing chapter of this story. See, the scripture Man, they don't encourage, the scriptures, they don't encourage us to end with like a bloody, distressed, fearful vision of Christ. The scripture, when we take the whole story into account, man, we don't end with the crucified Christ hanging on the cross. We don't even end with just a resurrected Christ. The scriptures show us this beautiful time of transition. And in this time of transition, not only are his followers encouraged, but we are also encouraged to focus on the fact that he is the ascended Christ. He's the Lord. He's the king. He's our friend. He's our savior. So the first word, if you're writing it down, was transition. And the second word is ascension. Man, let's look at verse 50 and 51. Verse 50 says, and he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried into heaven. Man, there's a lot going on in these two short verses. See, the Lord Jesus Christ had lived a perfect life. We know that, right? He had fulfilled the law completely. Man, he had fulfilled the will of the Father completely. He had accomplished all the works of atonement. Like we said earlier, he had been beaten. He had, he had died, but he had actually risen in triumph. And so I can only imagine when Luke is right, 
man, he's, he's writing this or he's getting somebody else to write it for him. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, he says in verse 50, when he takes the followers with him out to this familiar territory of Bethany on the foothills of Mount Olive. See, man, he's taking his followers not to some strange place. He's actually taking them to a place that they love, to a place that they've been to a lot, to a place that's actually really familiar to most of these followers. In fact, I mean, he's taking them to the home place. It's like he's coming to your neighborhood, all right? It doesn't matter where your neighborhood is. He's coming to your neighborhood. Man, you're being reunited. This is where Mary, this is where Martha, this is where Lazarus was from. Man, they met here on a repeated basis. Like, a lot of stuff happened in this area. In fact, man, we even understand that not only were they there with a lot of frequency, but it was here in this place that great things happened. And so at this place, he comes to Bethany, and he must have said, this is good. This is where it needs to happen. And he turns around to his followers and he says, that's it. That's it, guys. Like there's nothing more for me to do. I've done it all. That pretty much wraps it up. Peace, I'm out. Like like that's how I envision it. And some of y'all are like, okay, hold up. Man, Jesus didn't say peace, I'm out, all right? Well, I don't know, like he probably said something a lot like that, but in Aramaic, all right? Man, uh, like what do you think he said? I ameth now going outeth. I'm about to departeth from this earth. No, 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 no. That's how King James would have said it. That's not how the king would have said it, all right? Man, he was with his friends. Man, how do you think you speak with your friends? He was with normal people. He was with his followers. He was with his closest, closest of people. Man, he spoke to them just like he would any other normal people. Probably looked them in their eyes and said, guys, man, you've watched me. You've listened to me. I've taught you. You followed me. Man, I've died for you. I've risen for you. And now I'm leaving you to go to my father. But man, I'm going to prepare a way for you. Man, I think the verbs are very helpful in these verses because I think when we look at those verbs, man, that's what sets a a perfect picture for us. It makes it kind of a lot more clear for us. So in verse 50, the first verb that we see is he led them. Man, write that down. If you write in your Bible, circle that word. He led them. See, the whole story of their journey had been about Jesus Leading them. Jesus was their leader. Jesus actually found them and said, hey, follow me. And they followed him. Hey, follow me. And they followed him. They had been following him since day one. And even up to his last moments, they were still following him. He's about to ascend. He knows what's happening. And he's leading them to a familiar place. He led them. Man, he goes out before them in every sense. He is their leader. Man, he's their forerunner. 
He's the first fruits, like it says in scripture, he's the first fruits of those who fall asleep. And he leads them out to a location where only a few weeks ago they were there. And Jesus said, hey, the two of y'all, can y'all go down the hill to the city, get a donkey, bring it back up? Because I'm about to make my triumphal entry. Man, they knew this place. And then Luke says this next verb. He says, and he lifted his hands. See, he leads them out, and now this next verb is lifts. Maybe you could circle that. Man, he lifted his hands. <laughs> Man, some of us, we might think, why in the world is he doing this? But I love this because they would have understood this gesture. We might not, but they were locked in. They understood this. And, and you can kind of break it down two different ways. Whether they looked at it like a priestly blessing, we, we know the, man, we know the one blessing in Numbers that's often recited, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Man, whether they looked at it like that or they just knew the story of Moses' departure or they knew the departure of Jacob that's, that's uh, you know, uh, man, that, that we know about in Genesis chapter 49 where, where, where Jacob says, man, he's leaving and he blesses all the sons of Israel. Either way, man, it was customary for someone of that stature, for someone like Christ, somebody of that significance, not to just walk out the door, throw up the deuce and say, I'm out of here. But instead, he blesses them. As he exits, he extended a blessing upon them. Man, that was meaningful. I don't want y'all to lose this. Their final view of Christ as he's ascending, man, as the different descriptions say, as the clouds are covering him up, their final view is him blessing them. See, that's why I love the fact that there was this time of transition. Because without this time, their final view for Mary would have been on the cross. I mean, the final view for Peter would have been when they locked eyes, right? After he had, man, you know, just like said, no, no, I'm not with him. Like, I sound a lot like him. We even have the same accent, but I don't even know the guy. Man, who knows what Thomas's situation would have been like because he was already full of doubt. But man, not only did he revisit these people in that time of transition, but now he gives them this last view of him. And woo, what a wonderful Lord we have that he loves his followers so much that as he's ascending, man, he's raining blessings down on them. As he's leaving, their last view is him blessing them. That's huge. Guys, I don't know about y'all, but at our house, man, you better say your hellos and your goodbyes the right way, all right? You don't say, well, man, I'll see you later and slam the door. Ooh, no, 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 no. You don't do that. I've I done that. I got correct. Ooh, Shannon corrected me. That's not how you do now that I have kids, I don't care how old they get. Mackenzie, I'm talking to you. I need a kiss on the lips, all right? And, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't even try to, like, put it on the cheek, all right? Like, I, man, we put high 
the, the bar is high on how we say hello and goodbye, all right? But even in our society, man, you know, if you got good manners, you're going to say hi and bye. And even if it matters just on a superficial level in terms of our interpersonal relationships, you know it had to matter to Jesus Christ. These were his followers. He wasn't just saying, all right, bye, man, I'll see you later. He was looking in the eye and say, man, I'm leaving, guys. Man, I'm not going to be here anymore. He didn't just walk away, but he tells them this as he's raining blessings on them. In verse 50, so we say he leads, he lifts his hands, and in verse 51, the verb that I want you to circle is he leaves. Maybe our translation says he parts, but man, he's out of there. He's out of there. Man, Luke tells us, because Luke has this idea, like, man, he's got an eye of detail. And he says, man, while he blessed them, all right, he parted from them. So their very final picture, like we said, is just this posture of worship. And, man, you know, Christ's posture before them, what a wonderful picture of love that they have. But now, isn't it wonderful that he leaves them in such a defining way? Think about this. If he didn't do it like this, if he just kept on having these pop-up shops, these meetings like, hey, here I am, then I can't imagine the conversations that would be going on like, hey, Jesse, so like he talked to you like two weeks ago, right? Man, he said this like two weeks ago? Like, like I'm worried because it's been two weeks. Do you think he's going to come find me? Like, 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 has he forgot about me? All right. Oh, oh, man, over here. Okay. Like, like, okay, man, Ryan, it's been one week, right? Man, do you think he's going to come back like next week? Or do you think we have, man, they didn't have to, they didn't have to guess. Jesus Christ put a finality on it. And Jesus very decisively and very wonderfully leaves them in no doubt that this is the end. He's leaving them. But he's letting them know like, hey, man, we're not going to be able, like, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be around you. You can't ask me these crazy questions that you're always asking me, all right? I'm not going to have to roll my eyes, you know, and then turn back around and tell you what I think and what I've said already a thousand times, all right? Listen, I'm going to be gone. And now the responsibility of teaching and now the responsibility of proclaiming God's kingdom, man, that's going to fall on you, my followers. But you're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can do it. You can do it. Man, if you played sports and you had a good coach, man, he's going to put you in the game at the right situation. And even though the pressure is going to want to crush you, man, you are going to know that he has prepared you for this. He's coached you up. Even in this situation, you're ready for it. And so you go out there and you exceed. Now it's up to these followers to take the news of repentance to the nations. And basically, they're going to start this evangelism program. And he says, man, start it in Jerusalem. That's where I want you to start it. And he does. They do exactly what he asked them to do. And then we're encouraged because in John 16, we're reminded that he says, I'm going away from you. But man, I, when I go to the Father, I will send the counselor, the comforter. And the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, will come and he will abide with you forever. Woo! Man, that's good. He was coaching them up. He was not leaving them empty-handed. But that's essentially it. That's the ascension right there in one sentence. Isn't that crazy to think about one sentence? Man, it's crazy how the most pivotal points of Christianity, sometimes scriptures, 
is so cryptic, right? Think about the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ, all we get is a sentence. And she brought forth her firstborn son and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the end. Guys, that's the incarnation. That's God coming to our place as a fetus. Man, that right there is the story of how God, the creator of the universe, he accommodated himself to our humanity and that he walked into our life, into our experience, and all you get is a sentence. Man, it's not covered in some 47-page scientific journal with some theological insight that you got to go into Jesse's office and, and it's on the fifth shelf over to the right behind 10 other books. It's not that case. You get one sentence. Man, what about the crucifixion? You don't get an hour and a half of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. You get a sentence. Man, we know the story in the scripture. It says this, and there they crucified him between two thieves, period. And then you come to the ascension. You get a sentence, and he was taken up into heaven. <laughs> See, for some of you people that say that the book is better than the movie, I know you're like, give me more. I need more. I love to read. Man, for some of us, man, we glad it's a sentence. I love this because no matter... Like, what it is, it's that simple. Like, no ma like, nobody's going to be argued into the incarnation. Like Matt said a few weeks ago, if you're here today expecting some slick argument of, you know, us to convince you of a resurrected Christ, you're not going to get a slick argument. I don't have that. Man, if you came today and you're expecting or demanding some application of the ascension that will appeal to your intellect and draw your faith to Christ, it's not going to happen. But instead, if you'll humble your heart and your mind before the living God, the Spirit of God will bring the Word of God home to your heart, and that veil that has covered up your eyes will be removed, and not only will you now see, but you will be convinced that these simple sentences are pivotal, not only for the death, but for life and all eternity. Guys, he ascended. Have I said that yet? Jesus ascended. In a very realistic way, Jesus was moving on up in the world. Like Jesus was moving on up before George and Wheezy. Listen to what scripture says. It says this right here. For our sakes, he had humiliated himself and he was born as a baby. He didn't count equality with God, something to be grasped. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant made in the likeness of man. He humbled himself unto death, even death on a cross. Now he's moving on up in the world because <laughs> God highly exalted him. He looks down. He says, son, great job. Come on up here. The father brings him home, advancing him, restoring him to his majesty and to the deity. Man, giving him his dignity that he knew with the father and the spirit before time even began. Man, I want y'all to understand about the ascension. Man, even though we're faced with the absence of the physical, we've been given 
this new availability of the spiritual presence of Christ. And that's what gives us hope. And the last thing is this, the reaction. The final word that we have is the reaction is these last two verses. We'll break it real quick. 52, and they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Man, these were the followers of Christ. Guys, y'all think about who we're talking about. I think we don't have to think long and hard, and we kind of already understand the reaction that they had because over and over and over, man, when Christ was arrested, what'd they do? They ran. They scattered, right? Man, they fled. And, and their reaction to the story of the ladies who had come back from the empty tomb, man, they didn't believe those women. Man, they, they didn't believe those words because they sounded like nonsense, and then their reaction that Jesse talked about when Christ showed up in the locked room, like he was able to get into the locked door. Man, he was able to get through the wall and he shows up. And what was their reaction? Man, they were startled. They were frightened. And all of those prior responses made this reaction that they have right now even more striking. See, the reaction was not of sadness. They weren't doing the screech slump. They weren't like walking away because like Lisa Turtle done broke his heart again. Like, listen, what is going on right here? Their reaction can be defined in four ways. Number one, they worshiped him. They knew who he was, so they worshiped him. See, if we worship anything, anyone other than God, that's idolatry. And so they knew who this was and they worshiped him. And the reaction was not chin down, it was chin up. They worshiped him. And what else do they do? Scripture says they bless him. They continually met at the temple, blessing him. They praised him for who he was. They thanked him for what he had done. They adorned him for the wonder of who he is. Man, they were marked by worship. They were marked by praise. They were marked by obedience because where did they go? They went back to the temple. They went back to Jerusalem. They took it back. They followed the orders. This is exactly what Christ had them to do. They immediately obeyed. And then I like this. Man, the last word, man, we got worship, praise, obedience, and joy. And not just any kind of joy, not that unexplainable kind of joy, but I love that scripture says, a great joy. Ooh, man. You know, that was foretold in a lot of different places in scripture by angels when they said, and there's going to be a great joy. Love that. That inspired text says that. And so here's the thing. Here's what I want to challenge us to do. Church family, I want us to take those four characteristics that we find out by their reaction. These are the followers of Christ. This is how they reacted. They reacted in worship, praise, obedience, and joy. And just for a moment, I want you to think about your life. And, and, and I know some of y'all got a lot longer to think about. So let's just dial it back to last week, all right? Let's just, we're all thinking about seven days, all right? Think about what happened last week. What came across your desk? What came across your day? Man, how you reacted to people that you have never met before, how you acted to your family, how you maybe overreacted to your kids, all right? Man, all these different things. Whatever took place the last seven days, and now I want you to ask yourself, man, are they marked by worship? 
Are your actions marked by praise in those situations? Mm. Men, are your actions marked by obedience? And think about that last week in all those situations. Are your actions marked by a great joy? See, when I look at myself, when I do that spiritual inventory, let me be the first one to tell you, and my answer is no. Man, I've fallen short so many times when I put it to the lens of worship, praise, obedience, and joy. I hope I'm not the only one. Man, I hope that you can relate to that. And if you can relate to that, this is what I want to tell you. Now, forget about last week and focus on today. Focus on today because today is the first day of the rest of your life. Don't worry how you tripped up last week. Don't worry how, man, you, you could have done better last week. Focus on today. Man, this is the first day of the rest of your life, and as we focus on today, man, everything that comes across it, not on the way up here. There, man, there's probably already fights in the car on the way up here. I'm not talking about that. From this point moving forward, focus on today, and how can you be marked by worship, praise, obedience, and joy? Because when we allow ourselves to be defined by those things, that's how, even though we're in the valley, we still have hope. That's how, even though we're at rock bottom and there's only one direction and that's up, that's how we still have hope. Man, that's what I want to challenge y'all with today. Man, to look at our life in the lens of those four reactions because, because of Christ. Man, Christ is all our worship. Christ is all our joy. Christ is all our obedience. Christ is all our praise. He did all those things. And because he did those things, when our heavenly father looks at us, he doesn't see our flaws because Christ, as a believer, is standing in between us. And he sees instead of what he should see, man, he sees what he sees in Christ. Man, let that give you hope. In Christ, we have hope. Where is Jesus? He ascended. He's king. What's he doing? Man, he's getting a room ready for you. He's preparing a way. Man, he's pleading your case. Y'all pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to get into the word. God, I pray that we have done you justice. God, forgive us uh, for lack of time management. God, forgive us for, you know, cloudy thoughts. God, forgive us for, you know, points that, that, that might have ran on. God, forgive us for chasing rabbits. God, I pray that you would take all of the stuff, man, that where we've fallen short. And God, I pray that you would, man, wipe all that away, God, where they only heard what they needed to hear, and that's truth from your spirit. God, I pray that our prayers that we offered up to you were heard earlier in the service. God, that you would speak to us. God, that man, we would hear your voice, and God, that that truth would set us free. We ask all of this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.